You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Welcome back, everyone, to the Sewing and Growing podcast with Jay and Jay. And I'm glad you found us. Let's just say that. <laughs> Did we find you? No, you found us, found us. and you uh, decided to have. A podcast relationship with us. And there's many podcasts <laughs> in the world, but you chose us. Makes us feel special, doesn't it, Pastor Jonathan? Yeah, it does. Um, relationships, good ones are hard to come by. And I think this is a good one. <laughs> good for us. We're yeah. hoping it's good for you. I laughed way too hard at that. It it's was okay. very loud in the mic. Hey, get your 10 belly, belly laughs in. Yeah. We learned about that from uh, Dr. Jackson. Dr. Avery Jackson. He was awesome. Uh, neurosurgeon. And he was at our church. Good reason to come to church. You yeah. get to hear from good people. But and, I was... Sorry. Oh, no. Uh, I was going to say the belly laughs. Science proves that even if you fake a belly laugh, it's got the same health benefits. Which I feel like wouldn't be the case. Because a fake <laughs> laugh to me <laughs> seems much different. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's the, the like the what's happening in your diaphragm. I don't know. Maybe it is. I have no idea. But I wanted to say this. I was going somewhere with the fact that you found us. Not everyone can find us. You and found I found me. The Fray. That's a good Great song. song. Uh, I wanted to share from somebody that I'm close to who had a hard time finding our podcast a long time ago. Yes. Actually, my father. Do you remember that funny message? Yes, you sent a long can, can message. I, can I share that? I think it'd be hilarious. Yeah. I think to it's help good you help somebody else find our podcast. Yeah. Because, listen... The success of this podcast is that people actually listen to it. So the more people that actually can listen to this podcast, it helps us. It's not always easy for everyone. Let me share from the words from my father. He said, help, please. <laughs> Nanocrystalline cellulose, or NCC, a compound on a chemistry website from London, allowing you to detect <laughs> hydrogen sulfide in seeds or something like that. Okay, cool, but not even close. This was the struggle my dad was going through to find our <laughs> podcast. Sowing and growing got me information about growing cherry trees from seeds and so forth. Happy sowing, happy growing. Yes, I like cherries and so does mom, but not exactly <laughs> what I'm looking for. So he got a little closer than nanocrystalline cellulose, but he's still a little bit off. <laughs> Said J&J, because we're sowing and growing with J&J. Took him to Johnson & Johnson website. A little bit of a hot topic right yeah. now. Yeah. He said, definitely a fish out of water experience. It's a big <laughs> world out there, and I'm just a little fish in a very big pond. <laughs> NCC reminded me of a pre-med days at ASU. He was a sun devil. I don't know if that's demonic or not, but I'll let you decide. <laughs> Studying chemistry, inorganic, of course. Sowing and growing reminded me of summertime when I am watering all of our trees and shrubs. J&J &J reminds me of you and Jonathan, but all I got was a huge corporation with the same name. Help, please, and thank you. I know you are out there somewhere, but I cannot find you. Te amo, mi hijo. Juanito. So listen, uh, other people would struggle trying to find these. Let's not just assume that they know how to navigate. Sorry. Navicate. I thought he was scratching thought, himself, but he's oh, getting his I was wallet. pulling out my piece, which is actually my wallet. Not, not We don't we don't carry firearms into this podcasting session. No. But some people don't know how to access podcasts. Maybe your kind deed of the week could be helping somebody find us on the Sony yeah. Drone Podcast. Yeah, we got about 76 average, you know, weekly downloads. I'd like to see that number up around 100. Let's get to triple digits, folks. That'd be sweet. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. I know sometimes when you're family, you want it to be close-knit, but it's okay. More the merrier, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, Pastor Jonathan, uh, two weeks ago, gave an awesome... Was it? No, three weeks ago? Who knows? It was... It was <laughs> he's excited about that conversation. I'm yeah. He talked about discipline from a book that he read, and I wanted to share from... Honestly, 
outside of the Bible and God being the author, my favorite author, and his name is Andy Andrews, and one of his books that my mom got me onto when I was still a high school student is called The Traveler's Gift. And I'll just say a little bit about Andy Andrews. He, uh, he had a father that was a preacher, but when he was 20, within a year, both of his parents died. His mom died of cancer, and then his dad got in a car accident, and he got like $6,000 from his parents, and he bought a trailer, but then he couldn't pay for it. He had to sell the trailer, and he became homeless. And somebody came into his life while he was living under a pier in Orange Beach, Alabama, on the Gulf Coast, who was kind of a homeless man himself and gave him some biographies. And he started reading biographies and he turned his life around. And through his life experience of being homeless, at the age of 20, he learned these seven principles, these seven decisions, which are rolled out in The Traveler's Gift. And he actually has a specific book called The Seven Decisions that you can read about in more detail. But I want to talk about The Traveler's Gift because, as I mentioned, while he was under the pier, that homeless man who found him gave him biographies to read and he read extensively on different people throughout history and he connects each one of these decisions to a certain historical figure so yeah it's fiction fiction is the one where That's it's right. not real right fiction yeah. non-fiction i've always struggled with yeah, that non-fiction is 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 true it's true so fiction this is, is fiction false. based off of some non-fiction okay so I'm Way ready. starts is the main character named David Ponder. Now, David Ponder is a struggling man. He's middle-aged. He has a family. He has kids. There's medical bills. And he's just not getting fo- uh, his head above water. Yeah. And then he gets laid off from his job. And he's at, the, he's at rock bottom. Only way and, to go is, is up, hopefully. Well, actually not for David. So he's digging? David oh, decides no. his family would be better off without him. Aye. So he pulls off the road and slides right into a tree. And he wakes up, and he's not in Alabama or wherever he was in the United States. He's in Potsdam, Germany, in 1945. Wow. And he's looking around in this just like official room. There's one other guy in the room. And who is it? It's Harry Truman. He's in with Harry Truman. Okay. And Harry Truman is also in a little bit of a perplexed state at that time because he's having to decide to drop a nuclear bomb on wow. Japan. But – Harry Truman brings the first decision that you have to make to be successful. And what it is, is the buck stops here. It's about personal uh, responsibility. responsibility. So I'll read it as the author puts the first decision. The buck stops here. I accept responsibility for my past. I'm responsible for my success and failure. I'm where I am today because of decisions I've made. In the future, when I'm tempted to ask, why me? I'll immediately counter ask, why not me? Problems are the common thread running through the lives of great men and women. So I think anyone who's ever held any form of responsibility or leadership, whether it just being a husband in a uh, family or becoming a manager, a business owner, a coach of a team, you realize that before this, everyone else made decisions and you could be critical of them. But to some degree, when you're at the head of something, you have to make decisions. And uh, I'll, be, I'll make mention that some of these leaders that we talk about today, there's things that they did real bad and they may not be perfect, but I really believe this. And I got it from another book uh, by Eric Metaxas. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a Yale historian who's also conservative, not. a great author. And he wrote a book about the United States called If You Can Keep It. Ooh. So what that's from is like, what kind of title is that? 
fun little historical moment. When Benjamin Franklin was part of the founding fathers and they were creating what kind of government we would have, he left the room and this old lady grabbed Benjamin uh, Franklin by the shirt and said, what kind of government are you giving us? (laughs) And he said, I'm giving you a republic if you can keep it. Mm. And it's about what we're doing with our nation. Are we keeping the society that can maintain the kind of country we were given? And he said that we're really good at taking people that are historical heroes and finding things that are bad about them till they can't be our heroes anymore. Mm. And us as a society, we need heroes and our kids need heroes to look up to. You don't have to be perfect to draw good things out of things that people did in their life. Most people, kids nowadays, their heroes, LeBron James. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> me, me neither. It's more, f- far cry from. But just think fathers. about it. That's a big decision to have to make. And our presidents and our leaders are making decisions mm-hmm. like that. Uh, that was a huge decision to have to make to yeah. nuke a country. We wow. can debate if that was right or not, but there was a study that was done. Because of the culture in Japan, they would not surrender. That if yeah. we weren't to do that, we would have had to invade Japan and go through pretty much every right. home because they weren't going to give up. Yeah, and a fun fact. Well, it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing fun about the situation. Responsibility a fact isn't always that fun. A lot of people don't know is that the U.S. actually airdropped a lot of pamphlets in both cities, saying that they were going to drop a bomb and that they needed to get out. So they gave them weeks of warning, dropping these pamphlets from the sky. Yeah, that doesn't justify, or, or it's just a fact. Yeah, not a fun one. It's just a fact. And maybe we could have a little bit. More more compassion on our leaders because they really have to make decisions that affect millions of people. I was researching the Rwandan genocide, not something that's funny or good at all either, but I heard another thing from uh, our involvement was very little from the very get-go. It was kind of like, leave it to the UN. Mm -hmm. And former President Bill Clinton said his biggest regret was not getting involved in the Rwandan genocide sooner. Because they say, and they studied out, that if the U.S. would have added more involvement, 300,000 lives probably could have been saved. Imagine carrying that on your shoulders, like my decision not to do it. You can't take that responsibility. But the success of our life, first thing starts off with, am I able to take responsibility? Maybe not for the circumstances I've fallen in, but the way I respond to those circumstances. Yeah. I think it's huge. When you make a decision and it ends up being wrong, Owning it and taking responsibility is something that does not happen nowadays. Because as soon as something goes wrong, you're like, well, you know, see, this this person was telling me to do it. And actually, I really didn't want to do it. There's pressure from here. You see that with our leaders all the time. But if something goes right, it's like, yeah, 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 I did it. I did it. It was me. It's got to be both sides is what you're saying. Yeah. You take responsibility no matter what. And yeah, you might regret a decision you made, you know, when you're trying to go to sleep at night. But you make the decision, you stand by it. And you got to own it. And we've got power in that, David, not yeah. David. God said that in Deuteronomy. He said, behold, today I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Yeah. And it reminded me of our previous guest, our pastor, Mark. Mm-hmm. He said this, where you abdicate responsibility, you abdicate yeah. authority. Right. So whenever you go, it's not me, I can't control it. You're literally giving over control of your life to someone else. If you say, you know what? I could have made a different decision. I made that decision. You may have made the decision that got you in the mess, but you know Mm. that you have the power to make the decision to get you out of the That's why Satan's the God, small g of this earth, because it was a bunch of passing the buck, right? God looked at Adam. He said, it wasn't me. It was this woman. And she's like, it wasn't me. It was a snake. The responsibility ended up, or the power ended up with the, with the, where the responsibility landed on, which was the snake. 
That's why devil's the god, small g, of this earth. So... I digress. Maybe a little. The, the room starts to spin. He gets that okay. information. Uh, President Truman's about to make that decision. And he wakes up and he realizes he's not in Germany anymore. He's somewhere more hot. The time period's way different. There's a bunch of like really beautiful things around. It's really opulent and amazing. And there's two women that are like screaming and yelling. And he's shocked. And there's this guy who obviously has a lot of power. And he realizes mm-hmm. after a little bit that he's woken up right next to King Solomon. Ooh. And King Solomon with is baby? with two, yeah, the okay. baby, the baby. You know the, the story. The baby story. Two women that are yeah. arguing if the baby's there. Which one what happens, there? Pastor Jonathan? Well, he, they, he doesn't know whose it is, so he says, all right, this is what we'll do. We'll cut the baby in half. You can have one part of the baby, and then you can have the other. And the mom, who the, the woman who was really the baby's mom, steps forward, because mm-hmm. she's like, I can't have that happen. Yeah. Um, anyways, go, go, yeah, so go ahead. That's where the second decision uh, really comes into play. And what that is, is to seek wisdom. So this is how the author said it. He said, I'll seek wisdom. I'll choose who I surround myself with care. I'm who my friends are. I speak their language. I wear their clothes. I share their opinions and habits. If I associate with chickens, I'll learn to scratch at the ground and squabble over crumbs. If I associate with eagles, I'll learn to soar to great heights. I'm an eagle. It's my destination to fly. So he talked about really education has very little to do with the wisdom that you have. First mm. off, he said, is surround yourself with books. And he made a good point of like, put on an audio book. Oh, I think yeah. said bucks. The buck stops here. The buck stops here. Surround you yourself with bucks and you'll realize where the buck stops. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. Surround yourself with books. And he said, he was a, he was a, proponent of audiobooks. He said, put them on when you drive, put them on when you cook, put them on when you shower, put them on when you fall asleep, do it all. You'll get something from it. It's better than just putting on nothing. Yeah. Come on. It's better than a Netflix binge. It is. Or your favorite country song. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> is it going to teach you something? One. might teach you how to get but over your dog. He said, dying. secondly, uh, and you can find, if you want to hear more about this, he does an absolute awesome speech to a full, uh, st- not stadium, what would it what, Auditorium? Auditorium on the seven decisions. And he doesn't have any notes. He just goes from wow. his heart. It's really That's great. Awesome. But he said, you know, get a board of directors. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I have a board of directors. And they go, well, Andy, of course you have a board of directors. You're a world famous author. He's like, no, I have a board of directors and they don't even know they're my board of directors. Personally, oh. I have people that I know are, are the, helping me direct my life. Wow. And they don't necessarily have that title. But in my mind, in my heart, they're the godly counsel mm. I have. So I think that's really huge. You are who your friends are. Show yeah. me your friends. And I'll show you your future. Yeah. And you're that's really pro- big on that. That's part of Proverbs. He says there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Who wrote that? Solomon. Solomon wrote that. So again, that is the second decision. And he, uh, he the place starts to spin. He doesn't necessarily fall asleep, but after they've delivered this decision, they get moved to another place. So the, the place starts spinning and then he wakes up and he's on a battlefield and it's wild and it's crazy. And if you've heard me teach, my favorite thing to teach, it's kind of based off yeah. this because I got it from him. He's in the middle of the civil war. Mm-hmm. And with the civil war, he's at a little round top. And if you know where a little round top is, where is it? It's at Gettysburg. And it's on that battle of Gettysburg uh, with Colonel Joshua Chamberlain. And that decision is to be a person of action. Mm-hmm. And I'll share what the uh, statement is by the author that was represented in Colonel 
uh, Chamberlain, and then we can discuss it. Knowing that laziness is a sin, I'll create a habit of lively behavior. I'll walk with a spring in my step and a smile on my face. No longer I'll dwell in a pit of despair, moaning over squandered time and lost opportunities. I'm a person of action. I'm energetic. I move quickly. I'll seize my future with both hands and carry it with running feet. So what happened with Colonel Chamberlain is he wasn't brought up in a military background. He was a professor of rhetoric in Maine. Hmm. And in the middle of the war, he's like, I got to serve. They were actually, he was a great professor. So they were going to move him to like Africa or a different country. So he didn't have to serve, but he decided to volunteer because he volunteered and they were low on men. They made him a colonel. He said he felt bad for his men because he didn't really have any knowledge. So he had fought for a really long time. He started, I think, with somewhere like 300 men. And on that battle at Gettysburg, he was down to 80. And they fought, faced somewhere near seven waves of soldiers. And by the end, he had 80 men and they didn't have any more ammunition. And there was another group of Southern wow. soldiers coming up the hill with their rebel yell. Rebel yell. You rebel yell. They yeah. would ah! shriek. Apparently, it was terrifying. So they had no idea what to do. And he told everyone, put your bayonets in. And he led the way. He jumped over the wall that they built that morning to keep themselves from the Southern soldiers, the Confederacy. He ran down the hill with his men following behind him. And the Southern soldiers were so scared that most of them dropped their weapons where they were, turned around and ran down the hill. And within a few minutes, he was there with his sword at the neck of the captain of the Confederacy at the bottom. And they say if he didn't make that move, the North, the Union, probably wouldn't have won Gettysburg. And if they wouldn't have won Gettysburg, probably wouldn't have won the war. So it's deciding to do an action. I like uh, what Andy Andrews says in a different one of his books, which is called The Butterfly Effect, which you can read more about Colonel Chamberlain. And he said that Colonel Chamberlain uh, knew he might die, but he wouldn't die with a bolt hole in his back. He'd at least be like the Apostle Paul, Mm -hmm. who said, this one thing I do, I'm going to press forward. So be a person of action. That's always a good story. I think about just the behavior and the characteristics of people back then versus now. And a lot of times we forget that being lazy is a sin. I'm like, yesterday, I guess I sinned for about eight hours because I did nothing. <laughs> but I'm just thinking about like, what what's the major difference? Back then, there was still so much that needed to be won and secured. The, f- there, the future was not secured. And now, for the most part, I know we can get into uh, side trails and arguments, but our way of living is pretty secure. Yes. And so there is not much to be fighting for. I mean, we can we can make the case for, you know, traditional way of life going out the window. And so, you know, we, we want to try and fight and preserve that. But it's way different when you're fighting for something that you don't have. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about how do we shift our mindset? I mean, I hopefully we don't have to go through a civil war to shift our mindset out of laziness. But back then, there was so much that needed to be won and secured. And... People just thought and and obviously acted differently. Um, I just think about all the modern conveniences that ultimately I think those people fought for us to advance to where we are now. But yeah. with those conveniences comes the opportunity to be extremely lazy. I agree. Uh, it made me think you're sharing that seems like you're saying difficulty, things that still need to be obtained, cause us to have more of a heart of, I got to go forward and make a step. And difficulty brings us together. And I think we see that. That's why in certain times of tragedy or war that we face this country, it's the most unified we've ever been. I remember Glenn Beck there for a while, his campaign was called something like 9-12-01. 
because he said the best he's ever seen our country was the day after 9-11 because yeah, we were all we joined together. together. We were together. The little petty things yeah. like gender theory and all this different stuff didn't matter because we knew that we needed to come yeah. together and support each other. And I noticed this when I was in Israel. It seemed like they didn't quabble over these little petty things right. because they had an enemy from every single direction that was threatening yeah. to destroy them. It's like, we can all agree that we've got these enemies and we need to fight. We can determine what is a woman and all this <laughs> different stuff, but we need to like, we need to be on our toes yeah. because everywhere around is going to destroy us. You're, you're on your phone like you have something to share. Yeah, well, yeah, I just, I couldn't remember the exact quote. I don't remember who it's by, um, but it, it says this, weak men create hard times. Or sorry, I'm reading it this backwards. Good. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. So it almost seems like a cycle. It's, I mean, you fight for something, you create good times, but one of the byproducts, unintended consequences of good times is weak men. So you got to be aware, or weak people, I should just say. You got to be aware of that and make sure that you don't lose... Um, you, you, you don't lose Sorry, I'm getting a call from my wife. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to answer it or not. I'll text her. All right. Thank you, sir. Sorry. You're good at multitasking. <laughs> uh, you don't want to lose the character that gave you the opportunity to live in what you're living in. You know, strong men went through difficult things to give us the comforts that we have right now, but we don't want to lose the strength that provided us with that opportunity. All right. So the next decision, he, the world starts spinning and then he... He wakes up and he's on a ship. He's on a ship and he's kind of in the middle of nowhere. All he can see is water. And this Italian guy, short little Italian guy, starts talking to him in a very excited tone. Hmm. And he's got like an old like Middle Ages outfit on. And he's like, what's going on here? And the guy introduces himself as Christopher Columbus. And uh, Christopher Columbus is talking to him, and he's super smiling. He's happy. He's like, "We're going to meet the new land, and we're going to get there, and it's going to be amazing." <laughs> but at the same time, his men are plotting to mutinize and pretty much kill him. So Christopher Columbus gives his uh, decision on to David Ponder. Again, these are things that he needs to go back with. He's going to live. He's going to wake up from the car accident that he got himself in, but these are things he needs to carry to live throughout his life. And that decision is to have a decided heart. And this is my favorite one. Mm. I'll wake in every morning with excitement about the, am I on the right one? Yeah, I'm on the right one. I'll wake in every morning with excitement about the new day and its opportunity for growth and change. My thoughts and decisions will work in a forward motion. I'll lay my head to the pillow at night, happily exhausted, knowing I'm done everything within my power to move every mountain in my path. I believe that's the right one. Let me make sure. But what I... Yeah, that's it. What I love about this, and here's another thing from the book. It says, a committed heart does not wait for conditions to be exactly right. Why? Because conditions are never exactly mm. right. Uh, he said this, successful people make their mind quickly, and it takes a lot for them to change their mind. Unsuccessful people make their mind slowly and it takes very little for them to change their mind. Mm. And I'm thinking of what James says uh, in the Bible. He said, don't be a double-minded man yeah. who's tossed by many things. I also think of what it says in Hebrews, that God's soul takes no pleasure in those who draw back. Right. But we're called to make a decision and stick with it. Man, look at commitment in our marriages and certain uh careers, they're so small. People yeah. change and go back so quickly that something that we yeah. need to rise up in. I'm reminded of a quote from the overseer of Rama, Germany, John Grunewald. Love the guy. 
and he may not have originally said it, but I remember him saying it and he said this, um, analysis is paralysis. And a lot of times when you overanalyze and overthink something, you tend not to, dis- you tend not to act. And he was talking about how in times like that, the best thing to do is just make a decision. Do not sit there and do nothing. Um, even sometimes if it's the wrong decision, ultimately acting upon something is always going to be better than sitting there and doing nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're more likely to sit there and do nothing when you analyze every single outcome. And like what you just said, uh, they commit to something even when the circumstances aren't right. Mm-hmm. So you're waiting for everything to line up for, for this to make sense. This, 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 and this has to fall in place. And then the opportunity either passes or something, you know, something bad happens. You you just got to learn to make decisions. Yeah. And I recommend you take Bible school here at the church. And one of the things that is taught in second year is the tests from Pastor Mark. I believe there's nine of them. And one of them is the test of time. And you have to put in patience over the long haul, but also you need to recognize when there's windows of time and access things when you have them. And if you are always analyzing things, you may miss out on that opportunity. And we need to realize that analysis, the only purpose of analysis is to bring us to a spot of decision. Mm. I reminded of a Greek proverb, festina lente which means hasten slowly. And that was one of their mottos in Greek culture is to act hate, act with haste, but do it out of wisdom. Yeah. And so you don't want to just make decisions aimlessly without thinking, but there is a, a point of diminishing returns. Absolutely. Clearly. Um, but and it, anywho. in another one of his books, uh, he makes the point, Andy Andrews, he says, a lot of people say that change takes a very long time, but he said, actually change is immediate. The decision, if you're going to change, is a long process of coming, am I really going to change? But the moment you decide to change, even if it's small, it's an immediate change. So really, the hard work is coming to that spot of decision. And I like that you said, hasten slowly. Uh, To have a decided heart and to have action came after first the pursuit of wisdom. So that's what he got from Christopher Columbus. And it was interesting. His men wanted him to return back to... uh, Portugal or Spain? Where does he commissioned out of Spain? Spain. Spain. And, but the thing was, they were over halfway by the journey and there was yeah. no way them returning that would work. So he said, the only hope we have is to keep going. And they were practically starving and it was still only ocean. You're like counting on yeah. the fact. But you've talked about this. Hope is that hope of what's out ahead of right. you and to be able to maintain that and to have a decided heart and don't change your mind. Because sometimes you'll mind. try to go back to something that isn't even available for you to go back to. Yeah. And I don't, I was going to say, and we forget, but I don't think we forget. He had a large number of crew with him. He had three ships. Yeah. The Nina, the Pinta, Santa Santa Maria. Maria. And his decisions affected hundreds of crewmates. And so we're talking about this, like in your own life, you're trying to make decisions, but there are times when the decision you make is going to affect lots of people. Um, So you need to make the decision out of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Don't overanalyze. Yeah. So he gets that from him, Christopher Columbus, starts spinning again, and he finds himself in a small room with a bunch of people, and it's dark in there, and everyone's like shushing to be quiet. Can I a, guess what it is? And there's a young girl present. Is it Anne Frank? It's Anne Frank. All right. Did you see the picture? There's um, a picture of Anne I Frank. I subconsciously saw the picture, but I was going to try and guess all the other ones because you were like describing that first. I almost said Napoleon for your last one. I'm glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been okay. It just adds funny and we laugh and humor. Napoleon. So she's there and she's with her family and uh, 
the thing is, the main speaker can see David Ponder, but no one else can see him. So, like, the main character, Christopher Columbus, yeah. could see David Ponder, but her family can't see uh, okay. David Ponder. So, David Ponder's there, and she says, hey, can I go to my room? And she said she'd go to her room, and she'd just imagine being in different places. Because I can't remember how long they lived in the annex, but it was a very long time. And she ended up dying in the war, but her diary lived on. So, the decision she shares with David Ponder, which is a very important one, we kind of touched on this at the beginning, is... Today, I choose to be happy. It says, within moments of awakening, I'll laugh for seven seconds. What is that? That's exactly what we're talking about. Exactly what we're talking about. (laughs) After such a small period of time, excitement has begun to flow through my bloodstream. I feel different. I'm different. I'm enthusiastic about the day. I'm alert to its possibilities. Today, I'll choose to be happy. It is good. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. A lot of people hate that saying. And they, they, they pride true. themselves on being in a bad mood. Yeah. It's like, at least I'm being true to my emotions and myself right now. But we we read about it. I forget about who it, the name of the guy, but he was a, I think he was a psychologist. But you we most of us have heard this quote. Jordan Peterson, I think, has even shared about it. But he lived through the Holocaust and he got out. He said that all of his rights had been taken yeah. away except for his right to choose his attitude in right. any moment. That's the only thing the Nazis couldn't take away from it was right. his ability to choose his response to whatever moment he was in. And he, wasn't he the same guy who said that you could tell when people were going to die because their countenance and their joy, all that kind of stuff was completely gone. Yeah. And he said that the, the number one indicator of people making it through those camps was their, their attitude and being joyful and choosing Choosing yeah, to be that, that will, that, that yeah. spirit to their um, not being fighting broken spirit. to stay through it. Yeah, that fighting spirit. Yeah, uh, I was listening to. I can't remember his name. Uh, the Daily Wire, and they were talking about marriage advice. And one of the guys there is Matt Walsh, and he said <laughs> that one of the things that men should do is to just shoulder more things and not be emotional <laughs> like their wives. Because I know that's a little cross culture. And I know this is a little different off topic, but it has to do with the Holocaust. And he referenced this one guy uh, and what he went through. And they said he was going to die. The Nazi said, tomorrow we're going to, actually three days from now, you are going to be killed. And the guy said, okay, I get it. I can't change that, but I have one request. And they said, what is that? He said, my wife's on the other side of the camp with the women. I'd like to spend those three days with her. And they said, okay, but you can't tell her anything about what's going to happen to you or else we will kill her as well. And the story was about the guy spending three days with her as if nothing was the matter, knowing that he was going to be be dead the third day. Wild things that people went through, but uh, makes me think. Hard to choose to be happy after that story I just shared, (laughs) but you can still laugh in the face of difficulty. Uh, So that's a great lesson. And you can learn a lot of things from Anne Frank. Moving on, uh, second to last decision is he wakes up and he's with another person from the Civil War. He's with Abraham Lincoln. And what Abraham Lincoln shares with him is the compassionate decision, the decision to have a forgiving spirit. And he says, I'm one of the few possessors of the secret to dissipating anger and resentment. I now understand that forgiveness only has value when it's given away. By the simple act of granting forgiveness, I release the demons of the past about which I can do nothing and create in myself a new heart 
a new beginning. I really like what he shared there. I now understand that forgiveness only has value when it's given away. And that's really powerful. Some things, uh, the kingdom works differently. You don't really experience it until you actually give it. It's not about mentalism. It's not about doing it. It's not about figuring it out. It's about having the decision. It's irregardless isn't a word. Regardless (laughs) of how I feel, I'm going to decide to forgive. And we've very well taught, thanks to our pastor, about forgiveness and its importance. Really, it's a scandal on unforgiveness and offense is a trap that keeps you held no matter what you're facing. And think of Abraham Lincoln, half the country absolutely hated it and ultimately killed him because of what he had to go through. But he still had to be the president of the whole country. And in a divisive culture that we live in, you're bound to have some people that are against you. But what's your response going to be? And the Bible has a high standard. The Bible standard is to have nothing against anyone. If Bible says, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Yeah. Anything against anyone. It seems like in our culture, it's hard to live up to that. But by God's grace and spending time with Him, abiding with Him, dwa- waiting on Him and dwelling with Him, we can get to that spot where those things don't seem to yeah. affect us. Yeah, I just, I'm always reminded, I've shared it many times, I think even on this podcast, but what Corey Tenboom said, that forgiveness is an act of the will and it can function regardless of the temperature of the heart at the time. Um, so basically saying, no matter how you feel, it's still a choice that you can always make. Um, and then um, we know this to be true. I know this to be true in my own life. Uh, your, your feelings tend to follow and fall in line sometimes quite some time after, but the decision that you make, um, you'll make a decision and it takes some time for your, for your emotions to line up with it. But if you're going to wait for your emotions to be, you know, at a, at a reasonable point where you think you can for, for, forgive, you'll be holding on to bitterness for years. Yeah, That's all, like we said in the kingdom, that's how a lot of things work. I know, um, I don't really have a scripture to prove this, but just in life, I think grace meets you at the point of action. That's what faith is all about taking that step, you know, we talk about a leap of faith, taking a step into the unknown, what you can't see clearly in the natural, you choose to do it. And then God's grace comes in behind you and supports your decision. That's really good. Uh, That's all I have to say about that. Very well said. I appreciate that. And I think it's important to know that you can't give something that you don't possess. And often the hardest person to forgive is yourself. And often it's hard to forgive because we haven't experienced the forgiveness of ourself that Christ offers us. So when Paul says... You must forgive even as Christ, uh, God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. We haven't embraced that for ourselves. Therefore, we don't possess something to give to someone else. Yeah. And a quote from Andy Andrews says, don't you be mad at you. Forgive yourself. Begin anew. And I think that's a great place to start. So the last decision, he it spins and he's now in heaven. Ooh. But oh, he's guess with, who he's around. Who's he Wait, with? give me some context. It's not God. How about that? Okay. It's not our father. Where's he at? Pearly Gates? Uh Streets of gold? I, I'm not even sure he's in heaven, but he's with an angelic being. That's all the... All right. He's with an angelic beauty. Be- <laughs> beauty. He's with an angelic beauty. Hey, what a beauty. <laughs> um, is he with the arch- archangel? Archangel? Michael? Gabriel. He's with Gabriel. And the uh, final decision that uh, Gabriel shares with him, and Andy Andrew says it's the most important one, is the persistent decision. Hmm. I'll persist without exception because really none of these work unless you stick with them. Yeah. And that says, I acknowledge the fact that most people quit when exhaustion sets in. I'm not most people. I'm stronger than most people. Average accepts exhaustion as an excuse. I do not. Average compares themselves with average. This is why they're average. I compare myself to my potential. Wow. 
Makes me think of Matthew McConaughey, who is, uh, have <laughs> yeah. you heard that? He's video? like, my hero is always me, five years five from years now. Five years from now. And who am I looking forward to? Five years from now, me. Uh, <laughs> not to uh, go less with this message. But it goes back to what you shared from Miles Monroe about yeah. potential die and how empty. you want to die empty. And he even mentions this. Uh, he says this in the book on page 158. says, the tragedy of life is not that man loses but that he almost wins. And with Gabriel, he actually finds himself in this room with a bunch of white boxes. And he, he's getting distracted by all the boxes. And finally, from my memory, you may read this book and realize I didn't tell everything exactly right. <laughs> uh, enjoy it for yourself. It's a great book. But he goes, Wait, what's up with these boxes? And what Gabriel tells him is, these are all the things that God had for people if they would have persisted and wow. if they would have asked for them. But they're sitting in here available to them, but they never accessed wow. it. So to persist without exception, just don't give up. You talk to people who have amazing marriages and you're like, what is the one key advice you have? It's like, divorce was never an option. Right. It's not that everything was just glorious. They just knew they weren't going to quit. What does the Bible say in Galatians? Do not grow weary in well-doing because in due, time. in due time, you will reap if you do not faint. Yeah, It's about having a strong spirit. All ties in together. And those are the seven decisions. And Andy Andrews makes another good point. He says that these all work, whether you recognize them or not, they're working your life. Yeah. If you're working them, they're working for you, but they're still in operation if you're not accessing them. Strong spirit of a man sustains them in times of... Trouble, that's a paraphrase. And a broken spirit, broken, who can bear? Yeah. Proverbs eighteen fourteen. Mm. Those are. Good. I want to have to read the book. I've yeah, I really recommend the it. There's another book. He has a lot of books. Uh, another great series is called The Noticer. The Noticer Returns. Mm. And is the Noticer Returns like the sequel? It is. And then just Jones. It's <laughs> about Noticer Jones. And it's about two. the guy who met him under the pier. Mm. And it's really good. Real and quick, go over all seven. Like, I'll give you all seven. Boom, 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 boom. I'll just give you the title of them. I won't read them yeah. all. Uh, the responsible decision, the buck stops here. The guided decision, I will seek wisdom. Decision number three, the active decision, I'm a person of action. Number four, the certain decision, I have a decided heart. Decision five, the joyful decision today, I'll choose to be happy. Decision number six, the compassionate decision. I'll greet this day with a forgiving spirit. And decision number seven, the persistent decision, I'll persist without exception. What's your wisdom of the day, brother? Uh, well, this wasn't something you said. It was just something I was going to, to say. That's an, that's an add-on, right? for free when you're talking about making decisions quickly and i'll probably one of these next episodes i'll talk more about this but it reminded me of a book that i've been reading called the five second rule by mel robbins and she actually goes into the science of it how when a decision is presented before you and you like or like motivation to do something is presented before you you have five seconds before your brain begins to talk you out of it so her whole uh her whole idea is to try and make not like life and death decisions, but you know, am I going to mow the lawn, right? Make that decision within five seconds before your brain can talk you out of it. Um, I will make a, I'll make a podcast episode on that. Awesome. Look forward to that. Yeah. Huh? All right. Wisdom of the day. Um, was that it? Or do you have well, something else? Uh, that, that, That's that great was, wisdom. Uh, that was nothing that we talked about. It can be I don't if feel you offended it. that you okay. found no wisdom to share out of the things I shared, but you brought something new. That's okay. <laughs> I have a forgiving spirit. Oh, thanks. Uh, I will, I will say I liked, um, um, 
Why do don't I jump in with my wisdom of the day, folks? My uh, wisdom of the day comes from the wisdom of a decided heart. And this is really stuck with me. Actually, I was having a hard time even, you know, like marriage. It seems like such a big decision. And I had so many things that I loved about my wife and so many confirmations this really stood out to me, this decision of a decided heart. Like, I need to have a decided heart. And I actually was going to go and visit his store in Orange Beach, Alabama for my honeymoon because it was so profound to me. But just this, successful people make their mind quickly and change their mind slowly. Unsuccessful people make their mind slowly and change their mind quickly. That's changed my approach to so many things That's in life. That's mine too. Thanks for finding unity. Let's <laughs> embrace each other with a handshake. Ugh. Boom. There it is. Thank you for listening. And I encourage you, read some Andy Andrews. He's awesome. Do we pray? Should of we course pray? we pray. I'll pray. Father God, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity that has been presented to us to be able to share our thoughts and wisdom and what the word says um, to a multitude of listeners. Father God, we thank you uh, for the wisdom and the insight that was shared today. Thank you that we are going to be people of action and wisdom that are committed and decided, Father God. Um, we just thank you um, for these principles that we can apply them in our life and see results, not only in our life, but in the lives of those that we influence. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. All righty, y'all. Instead of saying see y'all next time, I'm just going to say catch you later. On the Swan and Growing Podcast with <laughs> J and J. <laughs> <laughs>